1: Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This is, well, at least for the time being, the last ever Kermode on Film podcast. And so I'm joined by Jack Howard. Hello. Kermode on Film's other presenter. (laughs) It should have been called Kermode and Howard on Film, really, shouldn't it? In fact, maybe... I
0: can't believe it! I've got you to agree to that now, at the end. But you know...
1: It's (laughs) It's always been back in goal, goal. Like like we were saying, never say never again. Just circumstantially, we we have to... we have to stop for the moment. So how honest are we being with the listeners? We can be as honest as we want. Well, what do you want to say?
0: Well, it's it's because we've ha- we're having to end it because you're completely having to streamline because of this incredible new opportunity you've got with Mr. Simon
1: Mayo. Uh, yes, that's that's uh, <laughs> sorry. That was that was put very corporately. Jack. Yeah. I thought because you said how honest we're going to be. <laughs> it was you quite cool, was not it? We yes. have to streamline.
0: Well, I, this is it. Is the thing that like I don't know how like uh casually we're allowed to sort of put things but yeah you've just been asked to
1: well so so Mayo and i are doing uh carrying on doing the show that we did at radio five has stopped and we are doing a podcast at sony and we basically have to spend uh at least at the very beginning we we need to just focus exactly on that and uh you're on the side of a bus we're on the side of a bus so but kermit um, and Mayo's take but i have to say i'm very proud of this podcast and um And, you know, hey, let's see whether there's a way of making it live alongside... Anyway... It's the end of an era either way. Either way, it's the end of an era. How are you feeling?
0: Oh, um, a mix of things. Uh, Very grateful for this whole thing, especially in the time that, you know, especially reflecting on it. We started in 2018, but really I feel like it was a a necessity to have this during the pandemic.
1: Like yeah, when well. I think
0: about how often we were just doing this cuz obviously we were, we were very for a year we weren't in the same room.
1: Longer than a year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now we are. <laughs> um <laughs> but it was a thing for a year where almost biweekly, not biweekly monthly <laughs> right. every couple of weeks <laughs> it was just like sitting every down couple of weeks yeah could
1: bi-weekly bi- yeah every couple of weeks every
0: couple of weeks i'd sit down and have a chat with you about whatever was happening or whatever we chose to to pick because nothing was really happening in the film world nothing new was kind of coming out so we just pick whatever topic we wanted and have such a chat
1: a, such a strange period and now
0: it? i've I, yeah I, f- I feel very grateful for all of it but i am also there is like a tinge of sadness to this
1: oh i know it's not just tinge oh. of sadness I'm, I'm heartbroken yeah you know um and uh, I mean, not least because I've kind of really enjoyed the, the. What's that? I mean, people always you always say well-natured disagreements. There's sometimes not <laughs> well-natured disagreements that we've had because, I mean, as I said, from my point of view, it's funny because I know this is a well-rehearsed story, but we met because of my child, my mm-hmm. son, who went, that's Jack Howard, can you introduce <laughs> me? And I went, who's Who? Jack Howard? <laughs> um, I, and I, yeah, you... and,
0: and the, the Twitter DM, the famous Twitter DM now that I, that I whenever people ask how I know you. Oh, I don't I... know
1: this, do you still have it? Oh yeah,
0: somewhere. Yeah, I could search for what him, it. What does it say? Okay, oh, I'll get it out now. Um, <laughs> I didn't know about this. When I was working at Radio 1.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, you were at Radio 1, and you, here's what I remember about You and Dean had a show at Radio 1 that Correct. involved standing up. Oh yeah, they used to make the, us stand what was the up. Thing with oh, they used to just You're broadcasting uh, we were on, standing up.
0: Yeah, because we were on uh, camera. They what they thought it looked better, and I was like, "This is." And they had us standing next to each other when I wanted to be able to look at him. Yeah, it was the weirdest yeah. setup. Right. Okay. Here we are. Okay, I'm scrolling all the way back. Is this
1: literally the first? This is <laughs> the first,
0: and this this was bonkers for me. Okay. September twenty first, twenty fifteen.
1: Okay.
0: Jack, this is Mark Kermode. A question. Do you do your Radio 1 show live or pre-recorded? Is there any chance of coming in to watch? (laughs) I said, hi, Mark. (laughs) We don't pre-record, we do it live. Sorry, didn't see this until we finished. Big fan, by the way. <laughs> Why do you want to come watch? <laughs> Be on the show if you want. Yeah, and you didn't even mention like. But then the next one was like, my son is a huge fan. Right. Okay. And introduced me to your show. I told him so, I was young enough once to work at Radio One, and he laughed. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well,
1: I was Radio One's. So it was. It was a. It was a weird thing because it's obviously, since the internet started, everything you ever broadcast is there forever. Yes. But, for, but before it. There is. I mean, for for example, um, I'm doing this radio four program uh, with Nick, who's here in the room because Nick is the producer of um, Camelot on Film, and it's called Screenshot, and that's you know it's ongoing and it's great. And one of the things that we're doing in the show that we're about to record is about in the cut. And mm. I said, oh, I interviewed Jane Campion for in the cut, um, you know, and it was, oh, great. What was it? for? I, said, I can't remember. It was BBC. It'll be in the archive. Can we find it? Can we heckers like? I can't remember what I did it for. I remember interviewing Jane Campion and Mark Ruffalo. Nowadays, it would be... you just have to go to YouTube and yeah, go, yeah, Mark Kermode, yeah. um, oh, Jane The amount of Campion. stuff you've
0: told me as well... Oh, I did this documentary. Watch it on YouTube. Like, the amount of times you've Come told on. me I did this, you can find it on YouTube. And it is weird to be from the generation where I put it all on the internet and, it, like, my entire youth <laughs> from when I was the age of 15. What's the... if I If I go to YouTube...
1: Yeah. What's the earliest bit of you that would be Ooh. on... Hang on, let me just... Let me, Mark. What?
0: Pre me being on camera. You know what the most successful thing is that I ever put on the internet? It's, no. a, it's about to turn, I think, 15 years old. Wow, I've, I've so old. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> that's that, the oldest thing of me on the internet.
1: I, I once brought some Americans, American friends of mine. They, they came to England and we showed them a castle because when we were in America, they took us to a place where, and I'm not kidding... There was, they took us, this is by upstate New York, and there was a castle and there was a tour. They said, this is a medieval castle. It was built 78 years ago. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, what am I looking for? I'm on YouTube. Type in Jack H,
0: 1992. Jack I can't H, believe I'm telling you listeners this. But on that channel are my first vlogs from when I was a teenager in school. Hang on, do
1: I, do I, do I search channels? Hang on, show me what you're doing. You you search
0: All, it, right, the... all right, all right, all right. Right. Okay. So
1: this is young you've, young man shows old man. Well, what
0: you've done really is you've just put you've, it's not a bad mistake, but you've just put spaces in between everything. But my username was Jack. Oh, H- I see. So I shouldn't have put space. ninety
1: two, Yes. Oh, you're fine. Okay. okay.
0: So actually, in recent year, this is this is quite funny. Actually, uh, in most recent months, about seven or eight months ago, uh, the channel was hacked, and I don't know how to get back into it. <laughs> so there's just a bunch of like. Click on this to, to find out how to do this thing with your iPhone videos. Like, look at the top of this. There's just loads of, like, spam videos <laughs> that are just on my old channel. <laughs> yeah. But 14 years ago, it's about to be 15 in about a month. Is the animated Spider-Man three final trailer? Can you see how many views it's got underneath it? Okay, hang on. The animated this is the most successful thing I've ever put on the internet.
1: Spider-Man three, Spider-Man animated Spider-Man three final trailer, four point six million views. <laughs>
0: I made that when I was like fifteen what, years what old. What is it? Can I watch it? But, yeah, you can. Has it got? Has it got so, sound? Yeah. The the the, the idea was. Yeah. This is how creative I was as a, as a child. Was that I took the the audio. From the Spider-Man Three trailer, yeah, and I put the animated series from the nineties on top of it to make it look like the animated series <laughs> was saying okay. the, the stuff from the trailer. Right, and just tried on, to I'm, sync it up as best as I could. I know
1: this is great radio. I'm gonna
0: <laughs> just you clicking. <laughs> yeah, on. Right, oh, here just... we go. This is just the actual Spider-Man Three trailer. So much. But this is me.
1: And you literally you've yep. you put old yep. Spider-Man cartoon graphics on it. Yeah, and synced it
0: up. Yeah. ...using Windows Movie Maker. (laughs) This was what I did when I was supposed to be doing my homework. (laughs)
1: Actually, very well done. But I mean, right? Wow! Like I'm
0: that—that that is the first thing I ever put on the internet.
1: And, and you had to make the sort of the males vaguely sync up, so exactly. they seemed to be saying the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I had to trawl through
0: so many episodes to try. And also, the Sandman who was in Spider-Man Three never appeared in. Uh, the animated TV show from the nineties, so I had to use some man from the sixties who doesn't look great. <laughs> now you know years and years had gone by. it's
1: a comment here from seven years ago which says, most successful thing Jack Howard ever did. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is the most successful thing I've ever put on the
1: internet. So look, since I last saw you, a yes, couple sir. of things have happened. Um one of them is that you went to see the unbearable weightness of ma- the unbearable Nicolas cages. So no, it's not the, umbra- the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's right? the one, yeah. which I was kind of quite excited about because I saw the trailer. Yes. And uh, my daughter went to see it. She went, mm. and then you went to see it. And same noise. Eh. What's wh- Why isn't it? <laughs> why isn't it really
0: funny? You've seen Tropic Thunder,
1: yeah, which is great.
0: You've seen the better version of the same idea. Okay. It's it's it basically starts out. I think it starts out really well and a bit weird, and introduces you to this version of Nicolas Cage. And so, then, so, so
1: it's Nicolas Cage playing... Nicolas Cage. But playing a version of Nicolas yeah, Cage. Yeah,
0: essentially he's taken on Hollywood's washed-up star, and they've decided to call him Nicolas Cage. And it's an easy thing to sort of riff on. Okay. There's quite funny uses of, like, clips from his movies. There's, of his actual movies. Yeah, yeah, So
1: you get to see him in Face Off. Like, it
0: literally opens with a shot from Con Air. Oh okay which is 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 funny and it's just like the kidnapping that happens in the movie there's like a kidnapping subplot that happens before she gets kidnapped she's getting stoned and watching con air right so what's really quite funny is that at the end when spoilers it comes into oh, yeah. a rescue did, did,
1: mission. If, if, if you if you if you're at the last episode of Kermit on film and you haven't realised that we do spoilers, <laughs> you should probably I mean, yeah. I'd say unsubscribe. But there's no it doesn't point matter anymore. <laughs> it's yeah, Okay, go on.
0: Imagine if we get new subscribers from this episode. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, the, the archive is still there. Yeah, things yeah. still go back. Nothing and new is going
0: to pop up though. And you never know, Jack. Yeah, never know. You never know. You never never know. say never Come
1: again. Come on, so as Sean Connery said. Um... <laughs> 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 anyway, so so so,
0: but when the rescue starts to happen at the end, it's obviously quite a funny idea that she was getting stoned watching Come Nicolas in. Cage, and then Nicolas Cage comes to save her. And it's not as funny as it should have been, to be honest. That's a shame. But, but what, to sum it up really, is it starts out kind of in this bromance, almost hot fuzz kind of yeah. way, where these two unlikely people are starting to bond over things. One of the things they bond over is is Paddington 2, which is one of the best moments in the the whole film. It's great. It's in the trailer. It's one of the best moments in the whole film. Okay, but it's been spoiled. I hadn't hadn't (laughs) seen it, thankfully, before seeing the movie. And then it kind of just devolves into a boring action film with occasional silly moments, but not silly enough to be, like, outrageously hilarious. Um, And it's kind of meta and pointing out the the thing it's doing and thinks that's enough in order to sort of just do the cliched thing yeah and yeah I just I, when it ended I I said well it's not like it was brimming with potential so it's not like I'm like annoyed that it didn't live up to what it could have been it was fine it was perfectly you know quite fun but then more and more that times got on I'm like no I am a bit annoyed. It Um, should have been funnier. It should have been funnier. It should have been weirder and more outrageous. I mean also
1: since Nick Case did um adaptation Mm. in which you know he plays Charlie Kaufman and Charlie Kaufman's brother.
0: And there's a there's a interesting reference to that a motif that happens in that film. Okay. Kind of happens in this that I didn't see coming. And that's kind of weird, but again yeah, there's a really funny joke in the middle with yeah, I I'm, I'm being very vague because I don't, okay, want, to don't want to spoil that spoil one. That because they the Paddington yeah, 2 joke exactly. which is in the
1: trailer. Yeah. Okay. Right, well I'm kind of disappointed to hear that. Yeah, How, I was I was as well. However, I was very excited because you saw everything everywhere all at once.
0: You got some very interesting titles this
1: year, haven't you? Yeah, we really have. It is all it is everything everywhere all, at, all once? at once. Yes. I kept
0: saying it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I kept
1: uh, going everywhere
0: everything everywhere all, all the, the time. time. yes.
1: But it's not that. It's, it's all, it all at, at once. once. So.
0: Uh it's outstanding. Um are you a fan of the Daniels? Had you seen, Have yes. you seen Swiss Army man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course you have, you're a film critic. on the how am I talking about?
1: uh, uh, They? No, Daniel Radcliffe came on the show to talk about Swiss Army Man. Yeah, another exactly, yeah. Um, Or, you know, Farting Dead Man, as it was called. But anyway, so... Yeah, Yeah. Um, so
0: I thought that film was all right. I thought they were brilliant, but I think that kind of um, more outrageous, crude sense of humour, sometimes for me, just sort of, it went over the line... To a point where I was like, oh, this is not... With
1: Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was fine, but it was... Yeah. It was was nothing about it that told me the filmmaking genius. Yes,
0: yeah, sure. Um, But this, I managed to see it when I was in New York, because I I went to New York recently to surprise my friend for his 30th birthday. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was really great. And I'd like been... We only knew that it was definitely going to happen about three weeks before, and I was like hiding in the bar waiting for him when he was checking in at the hotel. And I went over and I was just like, do you want any help with your bags? And he just freaked out. It was great. It was wonderful. But when I was there also, there was being everything everywhere all at once was being shown in a... uh, It wasn't even a wide release yet, so it was only in certain cinemas. So thankfully, New York just has great Uh, cinemas everywhere. uh, Just briefly, what is the plot? (laughs) Everything everywhere all at once. Well, to be honest, I think... It is best to go into this not knowing, knowing m- a minimal amount. Because okay. I've really, just seen the trailer, which so, just looks... Right. There's a cast member in it as well that I didn't know was in it. Okay. And even that, I don't... I think they're sort of showing a lot at the moment because they obviously want it to be a success. And it's an indie movie. It was made for $25 million and it does not look like it. Right. Which sounds like a lot of money. People here are $25 million. But like what they achieve in this movie, they've essentially made at least three or four movies within a movie. But essentially, the plot is about this east Asian family um focusing specifically on the mom she's a very normal person just runs a laundrette and at one point her husband who she's become estranged from almost turns into a different person like he almost seems like to shift his mindset and become a different human being and it's because he has his consciousness has been taken over by a him from a different universe and she is being told like Neo you are the one you are going to save us from a great darkness okay. and she's like me how could it be me and then what happens is and it's, what's funny is that Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness is about to follow this movie and it feels like you know how we were like go on follow that yeah. about Bond and all these other things that's what this felt like when I'd seen it it okay. was like oh we're doing a multiverse movie and th- th- that's the level we're starting at okay I might follow follow that. Okay,
1: so I'm seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness next week.
0: Ooh, I'm
1: jealous. But it opens next week. Does it? Yeah. Oh, so, is it that close? Yeah, it's like next week, yeah. So, oh, well, then I'm, I'm no longer jealous. No, exactly. I'm excited. It's so, <laughs> just, just a national press show, Jack. I'm sure <laughs> you can come along, oh, you know, it's fine. So I'm seeing it, but I'm going to watch uh, ev- Everything Everywhere everything, All, everywhere, at, all at Once <laughs> first. Has that,
0: has that opened here yet? No, it only just got... A release date every because it was obviously releasing in america and oh, all the film people on twitter were oh, in like, that case, when, when i are say we i'm gonna
1: to have to see whether, whether there's a screening for it. because i would love to have seen it in it because it just sounds mm. to me like the two things are connected
0: yeah they, they i mean this clearly like as we've discussed on this podcast this new wave of cinema is about multiverses and and i think it's very interesting as well because we're kind of living in a time where it does feel to us like we're living in a Weird alternate reality with like everything we had planned and everything that was supposed to happen now hasn't happened, so it kind of feels appropriate. And I think people are even quite casually using phrases like it feels like we're living in an awesome. Ab- yeah, yeah. So I think actually the way that cinema is kind of going in that direction feels weirdly appropriate. Well, Although I am we've delighted to say
1: that on, on the morning that we're recording this, Macron did win. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, great, right, great. I mean, of course, it, uh, everyone has, always now saying, Well, of course, there was never any doubt he was going to win. No. We said that about Brexit. Yeah, exactly. I've I've literally learned to never use the yeah. phrase. Well, of course, of course, that's going to happen. I mean, I mean, the very idea that there was even an outside possibility that you know Marine Le Pen could have won mm. is terrifying. Yeah, she didn't. That's Hooray, not the reality we which, live in. No, no, <laughs> there is probably a multiverse somewhere in which you know, the, you know extreme right wingers now run from. But brilliantly, it didn't happen in the real world. Yeah but it is still that thing about yeah but it's it's too close for comfort mm. i mean it, it he won by a solid majority but it's like you don't want to win by a solid majority you want them to, to, to be not in the race yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. Like, you don't
0: yeah. want it to be possible that they can even run
1: yeah and how did it go anyway, how did it go from you know what they were what they were like 20 years ago to this is mm. just astonishing and uh, anyway so but but so but in this particular reality that happened also in this particular reality that story in the daily mail really really happened about boris johnson being put off by the fact that there was a woman crossing her legs and you just go i'm sorry i we have gone we've gone we've crossed the rubicon or whatever it is now it's are you allowed to print that it's just (laughs) just 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 utterly misogynistic hateful horror oh but it's the daily mail
0: yeah and it's boris johnson
1: yeah although boris johnson has hotly denied it sure you know anyway anyway so anyway but that's the particular universe that we're living in
0: but this is exactly what i'm saying though, is that like it is it's become to a point where actually i mean this is a point that they make in everything everywhere all at once where this i think there's dialogue and i won't be quoting this directly but it's like they, they say things like doesn't it feel like something's off don't you just can't you tell that something's not quite right in the world and that obviously harkens back to probably pre this as well but like the way that the matrix says like you haven't you always felt that something in the world isn't right yeah but you
1: know that always reminds me of have you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy no I haven't okay well I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because I'm a man of a certain age and everyone of my age loves Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and there's a whole thing about did you first come across it you know as the radio or did you come across it as a tv show or Mm -hmm. did you come across it as the books all they're all sort of you know standalone and very individual but the the basic setup of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that there is this really ordinary bloke called Arthur Dent, and at the beginning of this, do you know all this anyway? No, 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 please. So at the beginning of the story, the only
0: Ar- the only um, I think opportunity for my generation to be reintroduced to it was the film with Martin Freeman in it. Yeah, which and wasn't, I didn't see it. Yeah,
1: which wasn't any good, which is a shame. But but you know, it's um, but there we are. But you know, director so then went on to make um, Son of Rambo. So hey, you know, um, but great movie. It's a brilliant movie, one of my favourite movies. Anyway, so Arthur Dent. He was this bloke, you know, sort of middle English bloke, um, middle aged, you know, wearing a dressing gown, whose house is about to be knocked down by the council in order to make way for a for a highway, and and he he's protesting. This is the beginning of the thing. He's protesting by lying in the road in front of the bulldozers, and his friend, his best friend, called Ford Prefect, which. Ford, you know what Ford Prefect is a car. Right. Okay, fine. So anyway, his best friend called Ford Prefect says, I need to, you need to come to the pub with me because I need to tell you something very important. And Arthur says, Well have you uh, yeah, I'd love to, but they're about to knock my house down. And Ford Prefect says, No, it's much more important than that. So Arthur then agrees to go to the pub. They there's a thing about how they stop the bulldozers knocking his house down. And Ford Prefect says, Look, you know you always thought I was from Guildford wherever it was he says I'm not I'm from Beetlejuice, which is a small planet up that way and we need to get off this planet very fast because the earth is about to be destroyed to make space for a hyperspace (laughs) bypass (laughs) and and so Arthur Dent who's this bloke who just knew Ford Prefect for ages who thought that the world was one thing it's like suddenly the next thing they're on a Vogon spaceship and he's discovered that this bloke who was his best mate is, was actually, a, you know, an alien visitor who just got stranded on Earth and has been, you know, waiting to hit, hitch a lift for ages and ages and ages, but it never happened. And so the whole, like, the first four or five chapters of this is just this, you know, blah, blah you know, I, one minute he's lying on the floor in front of a bulldozer, and the next minute he's, he's out in space with all this other stuff going on. And the reason Ford Prefect is called Ford Prefect is because the 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 guy didn't do his research properly and he just looked up on Earth a popular name and the Ford Prefect was the name because like calling yourself a Ford Angler or yeah yeah. Anyway. yeah 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 so then there's a moment about Boxer Corsa exactly <laughs> exactly so there's a moment about five chapters in when Arthur Dent says you know this really explains something and Ford Prefect says what and he says you know my whole life my whole life I've had this feeling that that something was out of whack. That, that actually something was going on that I didn't know about. And this explains it. And Fort Prefect goes, oh, no, that's just paranoia. Everyone's got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Which I always love
0: to say. <laughs> no, no, we all feel that. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything at all. I also really like that that is like an author's way of going like, don't read into it this way.
1: <laughs> but it's like, you know, you know all the people who watch The Matrix and went, yeah. yeah yes exactly that Mm -hmm. exactly no 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 it's just just paranoia everybody's got that many
0: of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound
1: for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast.
1: So are you feeling positive about the future of... Oh, of cinema.
0: Oh the future, well, I thought you were gonna say. Just well, the no, future. Actually,
1: well, actually, in that case, let me truncate the question because bit have a a better response. Are you feeling positive about the future? <laughs>
0: um oh, you a catching me at a very interesting moment because I'm actually trying very, very hard at the moment not to go too hashtag deep on the last pod but i'm trying so much to just be now (laughs) rather than considering what could or what would be
1: Um, tell me what you mean by that
0: like there's just the idea of being present in a moment rather than thinking about what might happen or what could happen good or bad um i think that i can get anxious and worry a lot about what could happen or what would happen um So I'm trying at the moment to just be like, all that matters right now is that I'm in a room with you having a conversation about something. And it's very easy for me to like, like a lot of it comes down to the stuff we've discussed that actually links very much to to movies that have come out recently, like Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm -hmm. The idea of like, am I running out of time? Am I ever going to be able to achieve that thing I want to do? Is that ever going to come to fruition? Should I quit? Does that worry you? Constantly, right? I right now
1: I'm in this. I'm, not, for, for, I'm going to ask you something not sarcastically for the Go first on. time. How old are you? I just turned thirty. Okay, so tick, tick, boom is particularly <laughs> yeah. fine. Okay, sure. Yeah, it was very yeah.
0: Like when it came out, it was like guy just about to turn thirty, and it came out you know a few uh, months before it was I turned watched by thirty. My guy just about to turn yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in a creative field, and it was, am I going to achieve the things I want to achieve?
1: You know, and it starts Spider Man, so it's kind of like <laughs>
0: <laughs> very for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I feel like i've i've achieved some things in my creative life that i can't actually believe i've got to do for example Sitting here and making a podcast with you for the last few years oh, is, seen, is you know, honestly
1: it. no, but the honor but, is all mine. So uh, no. But
0: also, like you've you, uh, try and just like look at it from my perspective for a second that I'm like just a guy who made stuff on YouTube and then it's eventually turn- this is turning
1: into the end of you know four weddings, isn't it? <laughs> just a guy standing <laughs> mo- it's, 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 no, it's not four <laughs> weddings; it's the other one.
0: Yeah, it's a Notting Hill. but yeah, like I was a guy who did stuff on YouTube as a kid. And then, because your kid happened to be a fan of me, we got introduced and ended up doing a show together, which kind of, whether you like it or not, legitimized me in a way that, like, something else wouldn't have. Like, you know, making stuff just on the internet. Although it's gained me a, a following and a popularity in certain, three million or whatever well, it was. Well, yeah, from <laughs> Spider Man trailers, I should have just kept doing that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got anything on the <laughs> that's been watched by four point three million people. Yeah, but
0: like, even though I've you know done all that, a lot of the time I find that having done that sort of stuff, being labelled a YouTuber, or lately the word is influencer, influencer. You, you
1: hate that word and, and exactly, oh
0: it's creepy it so. is one step away from manipulator and I don't want anything to do. I think it's the the word that's stuck, and it's horrible. Yeah. And I don't want anything to do with it. And it also boxes you in as a certain type of. Person. Is it ever
1: used non derogatorily? Do people call themselves influencers? Yeah. No. No. Honestly, it's and a there's, thing. There's
0: a whole generation now who obviously have grown up with the internet always being part of their lives, who want to be influencers. But they
1: call themselves yeah, influencers. Yeah. hundred
0: percent. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it's it's wow. it's, it's a whole it's a whole uh, career now. And I don't see myself that way. I'm obviously kind of rubbing shoulders with that industry, and and yes. owe a lot to it. But at the same time, I because I I've never been shy about this. Want to be a filmmaker one day? I hope I get to make
1: something that you then review. Um, I better hurry up. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, because you're still. I mean, look. I'm sorry. I'm just. I've just, just looked this up. The most viewed thing that I have ever done mm. was the Sex and the City two review, which been, which has been watched by one point two million. But that's a quarter of the people that watched your Spider Man trailer.
0: <laughs> and I mean, I, you
1: know, this is what I think it's kind of funny because um, I mean, firstly, there's no doubt there's a, that there are people listening to this uh, podcast who who have would never have listened to it if you weren't involved in it. So I'm not just I'm not just doing this. I never understood that phrase "blowing smoke up your ass." Yeah, you know what it means. But why? Why would that be a way of? You know, somebody says, "I want to say this," and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. You go, yeah, yeah. Under what circumstance would you blow smoke up somebody's bottom? Yeah, I, I and and why is that? Why is that a good thing? Yeah, yeah. Like because it's obviously like saying, I don't, I don't. What I don't know. I, what know, I don't even know what it image means. Is. No, but so, but so the thing is, so we know what it means, but we don't know why it means it. Okay, yeah. so anyway, but I'm not just doing whatever that is, <laughs> whatever that means. But um, no, I mean it's been an absolute joy for me, and and uh. And it's it is really interesting that there are people who, who would listen to this because they because of all the stuff that you've done on the internet and because your following is much larger than mine. That's um not true. No, no, but it but but it is. And um and I I also think it's interesting that over the course of however long we've done this for, mm. there's been more common ground than uncommon ground. I mean, I thought at the beginning that the the reason that this might work was because We're coming at it from such different perspectives that it would just. But actually, there's much more common ground than you'd think. It's fun when we disagree.
0: It is. But But, we are actually finding a lot of the time. What what I found is that a lot of the time, especially lately, probably because the world is topsy turvy, we want to like. We want to like cinema, and it's not pleasant when we don't like it.
1: (laughs) I, I do think that that whole thing about I had to do an interview recently for the. For the new at a Mayo show, um, and and the thing about rants came up, and I you know I always I, I don't want I'm not being ungrateful. I mean I'm really not. I'm delighted that anybody you know would sit and watch a film critic talk for four minutes about anything. To be mm. honest with you, but I do. I ha, I've always thought it's it's harder to praise something, and and it's the thing that gets you into trouble, is the things that you like, not the things that you don't like. Like you could basically anyone can tear anything apart yeah. and get away with it. But standing up for something is a lot harder. The thing you get ridiculed for is for liking Twilight.
0: I get I've the joke for me at the moment is for liking Tenet as much as I do. Right, okay, fine. That's like that comes up even just in you know, with yeah. amongst friends. But I wholeheartedly
1: stand by why i but isn't that that interesting that that, that's the thing that can get you shot down in flames it's you know i guess it's to
0: do with like your taste isn't it that like if that's the sort of thing that you like how can we trust you about other things because you like this thing that universally is hated or yeah whereas if you
1: but if you just universally hate everything that's fine because even if you hate things that are masterpieces like I mean, anybody could write, why the Godfather is rubbish. Okay, fine. It was a bunch of people talking in rooms and nothing happens. And Marlon Brando's got, you know, I mean, anyone can do it. In fact, recently when we were having a a discussion about why movies worked or didn't work, I said, look, you can do it with The Exorcist. It doesn't make any sense. And this, that, and the other and blah, blah. So anyone can, even if they actually like it, I'm reminded of the fact that when Boris Johnson was coming up to the Brexit vote, that he wrote two essays for whichever rag he was writing for one in favor of brexit and one not in favor of brexit he claimed it wasn't an opportunist ability to be able to pull one of them out of his backside at whichever you know but but a way of you know uh, considering the debate from both sides prick yeah exactly um incidentally worked out so well yeah I mean it's great well done well done <laughs> I mean just look around you isn't everything better It's I'm I'm so I'm so glad it all came to fruition we have millions to spend the, the NHS is in the best shape it's ever been in you know I feel like we're getting away from the maybe, point okay, okay. so the point is that Anyone can tear anything apart, whether they believe it or not, and you can get away with it because there's a sort of, oh, it's okay just ripping something apart. Mm-hmm. But going, I really like this. I think this is really moving. This was really charming. Is the thing that will get you shot down in flames. And mm-hmm. I always said that when I used to write on the, I write for the Observer and on the Observer website, which is the Guardian website, they have a comment section underneath, mm-hmm. right? I got them to turn them off under my, review. I had a fight with them. I said, you do realize that essentially you are giving airspace to anonymous idiots. Well, no, there's a lot sort of debate no no there may be a lot of debate but you haven't got any filtering system there are just well we've got people who take the stuff off you. no no really no it's just people who just you know abusive nonsense and the most abusive nonsense would always come under the twilight stuff you know right, right twilight. and it would just be like thousands of comments from lunatics unhinged lunatics um about why liking twilight made you uh, you know insert mm. derogatory adjective sure. here, derogatory you know noun here um and it was just it was i and i actually started to think it gets to critics that um that, that you you're more scared of standing up for something than you are of kicking the life out of something and after a while kicking the life out of something it's not it's just not that
0: enjoyable is it do you know what as well because i do see myself even though we are discussing things here i do see myself more as a a filmmaker than a film critic.
1: Oh, you are a filmmaker, yeah. I mean, you've made films.
0: And, you know, that's that's exactly what I'm aiming for. And um, the further and further I get into doing this kind of job and the more and more stuff I get made, the more I notice that on any level, it's difficult to, to get it over the line and to get it made at all with all the voices that happen, even on the level... So the most recent thing I made, I mentioned it a few months ago now, I don't think it's come up since... The most recent thing I made was for Comedy Central. Yeah. And it, it, we didn't have a title last time. We just called it Jackson named Jack Comedy Central. It's called East Mode. Okay. It's an East Asian sketch show. And I treated every single sketch like a different genre. And I so there's a the horror one. There's a the heist one. There's lots of different sort of ones. I even as well did, a, did one that took place in a restaurant where the, the gag is that the food in the restaurant is so good that the two women almost have orgasms when they're when they're eating it, and the other one's like, what the hell has happened to you? But in that sketch, I reference Ratatouille, you know, the moment when he goes yeah, into the synesthesia, totally ego, yeah. I got the actual animator to do the animation oh, wow. from Ratatouille on my spoof parody reference wow. homage to Ratatouille. I remember messaging him and being like, would you want to do this? And he was like, I will not want anyone else to do it and so that was just this amazing thing that ended up happening but my point I being love, I love
1: that scene in Ratatouille isn't it wonderful yeah yeah. and, and he, it takes and he, him back to his innocent childhood what, what I
0: mean no, and that's not what I mean I mean the moment when he experiences what's called synesthesia so all of it sort of goes dark and then you have all the shapes popping off around him do you remember this scene that I'm talking about oh yes i like, sorry we different scenes fine okay yes. fine yes but okay. that's the scene I'm talking okay. about is, okay. the, is when he notices what it's like when he puts cheese with strawberry or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yeah um, and I I got a load of great insight from him about how he and Michael Giacchino, who did the score, like influenced each other's work basically because he was animating to the music and then he would change the music based on the animation and all that sort of stuff. But my point being is that the further and further I go down into this job and doing that job, which was sketches for Comedy Central. So it's not like it's like huge stakes and like wasn't an immense amount of money, but still, even at that level, the amount of voices that were involved in it, the amount of like versions that had to get made, It makes it so much clearer to me that when you criticize something and say like you know i criticized last night in soho and it doesn't the book stops with edgar right because he's putting his name on it but i'm not talking about it and being like well this is entirely down to the way he intended it to happen like who knows how many voices were in the room for a film of that level when we talk about marvel imagine making something for the mouse like the amount of stuff, the amount of approvals. that like People criticise the way that Marvel movies look because they all have a similar palette. When I see Doctor Strange, I'm going to be looking for like a sprinkle of Sam Raimi. I hope that he manages to get through a bit yeah, yeah. in order to be able to like feel like he was involved. But I won't be surprised if he has got to a stage in his filmmaking career after making Spider-Man 3 and then Oz the Great and Powerful and basically disappearing from directing because he probably couldn't take probably the backlash and things. I can't even imagine what he went through. Same with actually Mark Webb, who made the amazing Spider-Man movies, kind of backed off a bit and is now coming back and is directing the Snow White movie. I imagine that, I mean, they're great case studies with with Rachel Zegler. Um, And I imagine those two filmmakers came back to big budget filmmaking, a bit more like, I know how to do this now. Like, I know the game I'm playing. I bet there was a more of a fight before, especially with Mark Webb having made indie movies like 500 Days of Summer and then going to the big-budget Spider-Man. And we all know as well how much Sony meddled with those films, but it's kind of like that's the game you're getting into. So when you criticise something like that, it must, like, you, must, the filmmaker as well, like must be like, oh, God, like, it must be so hard to sort of see people... Going in at stuff like that, that you also know is like not the way that you wanted it to happen. But yeah. it, do you know what I mean? I, do you know what I'm trying I to do, get I'm I'm the, scratching I mean, at it, but the, I don't think I'm getting to the no, actual no, no, I, meat I, of it.
1: It's it's always been that, you know, if if uh, I remember saying to somebody once, why is it that these great big franchise movies get in second time directors? Mm-hmm. You know, like, um you know, you'll do you'll do monsters and then the next thing you're doing a Godzilla movie yeah. or you'll do a kind of weird little time travelling art movie and the next thing Jurassic do- Park exactly <laughs> I said what? why Why? is that and the person I was asking said "Well, so they can beat them up he said, you know, it's because they got no power that's yeah. the point I went oh okay fine well that I hadn't thought about but it's also there's something also slightly beyond that which is that the behemoth is the behemoth the machine is making itself it will produce a tank-like thing at the end of it and what they want is just the little sprinkle just mm. the little just the little bit of it. and it always takes me back to that you know we've all got that Barton Fink feeling but since you are Barton Fink I guess you've got it in spades right you know <laughs> it's it is just they just want a little bit of that Barton Fink feeling yeah but it, but they are still at the end of the day making an ocean liner of, of a thing and he's it, it, going you know the engine's going to be in this place and the that's the ship is going to be hearing alive.
0: Val Kilmer talk about being Batman he was like oh I'm I'm, I'm basically just being like wheeled around, facing the right way. You say that you know he was talking about being part of this huge machine, and that it's not like he's not delivering anything other than just basically like he's just like the face of Batman. Yeah. He's he's just operating the machine of Batman. Yeah.
1: Although Val Kilmer, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'd feel sorry for him, but no. Um. So, but that thing about it's just it's the combination of. They they have they can't fight because they're not big. But they have a little bit of something that you'd like and also they bring on board perhaps, you know, the art house critics. Oh yes, this is interesting because it's directed by insert name of director who made a film that no one saw that I'm interested in. Yes. But Raimi is always an interesting case because The Evil Dead was the film that, you know, that changed the I mean it was the the classic video Nasty although actually it got acquitted at Snaresbrook but it was the film in the early 80s that you know Stephen King you know called it the most ferocious, ferocious horror film you'd ever seen and and it was the Obscene Publications Act and you know like, oh this is the most terrifying thing but I remember seeing The Evil Dead and people go oh my word this is I can't believe how full on this film is and they had literally made that from money that they borrowed from local dentists yeah. all of whom incidentally have now got fabulous big practices ah, because sure. of the, all the money they made but <laughs> Raimi always seemed to me to be that guy playing in the sandbox you know he always seemed to even when and even when he was doing the Spider-Man movies it was like I mean I remember I went back to my review of uh, Spider-Man 2 for The Observer Um, and I remember saying it is astonishing that the guy who made the evil dead which yeah. was going to bring about the end of civilization is now making these family blockbusters on a scale that nobody could possibly have imagined before but i think he is was and will always be sam raimi mm-hmm. and so yeah let's see and that, where...
0: that's that's you know it's the same i think actually sam raimi and then someone like even christopher nolan who obviously made following as basically like almost like a a student film almost. He made it over the course of a year over weekends. But then Memento was his first like studio film, which is still tiny and then was hired obviously to do Insomnia.
1: Which is a remake.
0: Yeah, yeah. Before doing Batman, that even feels a little bit like small indie director getting to operate this huge machinery and obviously he put so much of his voice the way that Raimi put so much of his voice into Spider-Man he put so much of his voice into Batman which I think also kind of kept that trend going of hire these like auteur directors to operate our huge superhero movies and now you just get to say from Academy
1: Award winning (laughs) director Chloe Zhao a film which you would not know was directed by chloe Shao except unless... for all
0: the shots that are pointing towards the sunset
1: okay she <laughs> loves that <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but not, this is what not i'm saying good, is, it, though? is okay. that
0: i wonder i wonder how much of sam raimi is going to come through in the doctor strange or whether or not and i wouldn't blame him he's relaxed and just gone i'll play your game or
1: just do the job i'm
0: going to come and play the game i'll i'll, I'll you get to pay me a lot of money my name's in the trailer for people who care and I wonder whether or not I'll just, like, move the camera like this instead of, like, doing it the way they think to do it. But I won't actually be able to inject what I think this film should be.
1: Rami will always have a special place in my heart because when I was starting out in film journalism, I went to America to go and get some interviews because, you know, the only way you could get stuff printed was you had the, the jump on everybody else. So I went and stayed with my friend Tim Polcat in Los Angeles. And I just rang people. I, you know, I faxed maybe their offices. And said, look, I'm you know, I'm a journalist, I'm trying to get some, some films to blah, blah, blah. Can I and the people who gave me interviews, and I was nobody, I mean I had written a couple of reviews for Time Out, that was it. Where's Craven mm-hmm. gave me an hour of his time. Linda Blair gave me two hours of her time, and Sam Raimi wow. invited me to come and interview him at his offices at Universal. Oh wow. When he was making Dark Man.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: And it was astonishing. It was just like it was him and Bob Tappert, and I think they gave me the best part of two hours. And it was, I mean, really, really nice. Really, really lovely. And I said, look, obviously I haven't seen Darkman yet because, you know, he's still making it. But what's the key difference between Darkman and, you know, and, and all the other stuff he made? He said, well, look, this is a much more kind of grown-up movie because it's about this character who, you know, he loses his face, then he becomes other faces. And he tries to, it's really, it's kind of to do with the character and it's to do with Liam Neeson. So one of the things I'm really going to do is I'm going to keep the camera steady. I'm going to, like, sandbag the camera down oh, great. You know, you see the film, camera's flying all over the place. It's like, <laughs> there, may be, there may be one moment when it comes to rest, but it's like, that was so, you know, I'm going to really, really, because t- obviously in the case of Evil Dead, it's on a piece of wood doing sure, that, you know, that yeah. weird thing all, the whole time. But I just remember, I just remember sitting in his office. It was in that big tower and thinking, why are you even bothering to give me your time and how lovely that you did? And anyway, then I wrote it up for Darkseid. I think I might have written, might have used it for Fangora. I got back in touch with them and said, Oh, you know, I've, look, I've done the front cover feature for this UK publication, you know, great, fabulous. Um, and, and also, I think it was somebody like Fango wanted, you know, is, is it all right if I, if I, do I take it to them? They wrote back and said, I can't believe you even bothered to ask. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yes, go <laughs> ahead, you know. It was, because I bet, you know, it was snail mail as well, It wasn't it? We didn't, like, yeah, email yeah, yeah, or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but he was really, really lovely and really. I think it's amazing
0: when you find out that, like, people of that caliber, are interested in like giving their time to somebody who's yeah. just interested yeah. like and, and i feel like i'm at the start of my whatever this career ends up being i'm at the start of my my directing career and i'm reaching out to directors that i admire who work in television and things like that like a guy called ben taylor who directed a great uh, series for channel four called catastrophe and he now is basically the showrunner and, and and head director for netflix's show sex education and i reached out to him and he has been nothing but lovely to me and he doesn't need to be and that like just the idea that i'm just some guy who's been like hey man i'd like to talk to you and get some tips and and like maybe ask for a bit of advice or maybe even come and shadow you on on set and he's like yeah like cool and just just being very generous with the opportunity is is just something i didn't kind of expect
1: but that's you know that's always the case when i started when I, when I came you know, it always sounds like a poke scene, when I first came to London um, <laughs> the th- the three people who took me under their wings were Nigel Floyd Alan Jones and Kim Newman and they basically showed me the ropes and I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for, th- for the fact that they had looked after me Nigel I met in the offices of Time Out and we literally like looked at each other across a crowded room and that was it um, <laughs> but it was it was... time stopped yeah. no, I mean, it, it, it was like
0: that scene in The Worst Person in the World <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, right. I ran all the way
1: across town everyone was standing still we had a fabulous
0: day together we went to the park, we
1: fed the ducks I came back and my old boyfriend was still in the same place where I'd left him um, but you know the just they they and they didn't do that. It wasn't for their benefit. They yeah. did it because they what they all said was well we somebody took us on and um and then you know I well you, you know when James King was at Radio One, James King was sort of my. I mean, initially, kind of, inverted commas, understudy, although it's ridiculous because I mean, he was much better and much better looking. <laughs> you know, very soon became my replacement, and good for him. And then he's done the same thing, and you know, and p- it, because you saw, b- it, simply because you, everyone got remembers somebody else doing it to them. So yeah. I know this is now sounding terribly bland, isn't it? But
0: well, no, I, I think it's it's nice what, in, to know it exists in
1: what you think of as cut cutthroat professions. Mm. It's astonishing how much there is a lot of. You know, let me help you. Yeah. Um And for from people who, I mean, I didn't know those people. They had nothing invested in giving me their time, nothing at all. But they just thought, okay, well, you know, we will do, and and you know, and and thanks very much, which yeah. is, you know, which has always been great. And actually, of course, I've carried on working with. I mean, you know, Kim was the lead writer on Secrets of Cinema, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Nigel and I have been best friends forever, and. Alan Jones, whose name comes up many times on this podcast, is of course now running Fright Fest, which is incredibly successful, and is actually now become you know, an international festival director. Incidentally, I must ma- mention this, something which happened since I last saw you on the subject of good things that are going on in the world. So you know the Cinema Museum in London where we've, we've filmed Secrets of Cinema yeah. <coughs> for ages and ages has been fighting this campaign to save the Cinema Museum. So this was just recently announced. <clears throat> After 15 years of campaigning, the cinema museum's future looks bright. At last, we have a chance to secure a permanent home for the museum and saved a well-loved, unique heritage building, the Lambeth Workhouse, which was once the home of Charlie Chaplin. We are thrilled. We can't wait to buy it, mend it, and share it with those who love cinema, film, creativity, architecture, stories, memories, and all the good that comes from positive social change, pro-environmental behaviour, and caring communities. So, they have signed a four-year lease with their landlords... With an option to purchase the Masters House building for a million at any time over the next four years, um, so that might not seem much to raise in four years, but the buildings need many, may, the buildings need many million spending on them. So they've got four years to raise quite a lot of money. But this is great. The Amazing. Cinema Museum has been holding out to save the Cinema Museum for years and years to the point that. It almost became called "Save the Cinema Museum" as opposed to just the cinema. There was a guy when I was at college. There was a guy called um, uh, Jamie. What was Jamie's surname? Free Jamie. I think. I think his name was Nicholson. Jamie Nicholson, but he was referred to as Free Jamie Nicholson because <laughs> Free Jamie Nicholson was arrested once on a picket, um, You know, because we'd spent most of the time you know, smashing the state, and he was arrested on a picket. And we immediately formed a campaign, Free Jamie Nicholson, by the time the paperwork of the campaign had gone through, he was out. He literally, he literally <laughs> wasn't in long enough to be freed. But also some people industriously went around spray painting free Jamie Nicholson. <laughs> so Jamie Nicholson then just became referred to forever, forever after as free Jamie Nicholson. So like Save the Cinema Museum was almost like its name, but you know, now the Cinema well, Museum... Oh, that's very cool say, isn't though, isn't that it? great? Yeah, incredible. It's a, it's a good news story in a yeah. miserable news cycle.
0: L- little things like that. Occasionally, just like they, they, do sort of. I'm just glad that things like that, but people care enough still that for stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even Nick as well. Like um, Nick uh, is here in the room. Nick is here it's in the really room. Quiet. Producer Nick, um, who's basically the third member of Kermit. He's You're always in the room. Always just, in the room. <laughs> like a hawk. <laughs> um, but like even Nick, like. Uh, having got the act in act one cinema, the acton yes. cinema in acton like which is uh, like my local <clears> that <throat> i still go to even though i've moved away slightly now but having heard about that for years and getting that done like just it's just amazing man like it's just cool stuff like that happening and yeah i think it's just nice to know that people want to give their time energy and sometimes money to that sort of stuff especially in times where it feels like everyone's kind of keeping hold of theirs just in case do you know what I mean? Like, sort of go- like dragons sitting on gold. <laughs>
1: dragons sitting <laughs> on gold. <laughs> you really did grow up on fa- fantasy <laughs> movies, didn't you? <laughs> but it's, yeah. But, you know, also, because you said earlier on trying to live in the moment, which, of course, is yeah, man. is almost the most impossible thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds so easy, live in the moment, and yet you go, okay, try it. Yeah. You can manage it for a second. If you can manage it for, t- t- for, for, like, for any tiny period of time, I mean, <clears throat> I know people. Meditate and study for ages to be able to live in the moment because just, just, all yeah. the time, all the time, there's other things going on. Got to on. do you that. Ju- got to email that person. Got to do this. Yeah, yeah. <clears> and,
0: and just <throat> even just like a little worry, man. That like, what if none of this works out? Like, just like my brain, just like why is my brain being
1: mean to itself? <laughs> but this is in a weird way. You and I are very similar like this because I mean, we had a kind of heart to heart about it some a few months off mic. You
0: know? So it basically didn't happen. There's no proof. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, no, no. But I can refer to it. As having, you know, <laughs> is that you know I'm I'm racked with anxiety yeah. and guilt and fear most of the time um and you know and everything else kind of pushes it to one side but i i live in the permanent expectation of utter disaster and i don't say that like please feel sorry for me i'm a neurotic you know i don't i don't i don't don't want any sympathy for it it's just a description of a state of mind that is actually not that uncommon
0: yes exactly i think that's i think that's why it's important to talk about not not because you specifically are looking for sympathy but just like saying hey this is This is normal. This is a normal thing that people feel all the time. Yeah, And that relates
1: back to the... No, no, that's just paranoia. Everyone's got that, you know. Uh,
0: Honestly, uh, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Hazel Hayes, who is an author and a writer and things like that. Very
1: successful author. She did very
0: well. She once, a few years ago, interviewed Steven Spielberg and everybody in the room... Like, there was a a room of people who were selected to come and have a chat with Spielberg and Tom Hanks. And everyone in the room got a chance to ask a question. And Hazel asked the idea of, does the... Uh, the feeling that what you've made is good enough ever go away? He asked that to Steven Spielberg. The, the, the
1: worry that it isn't good enough.
0: The, the, once you've made it, like, is it ever the thing you thought it would be yeah, in your yeah, head? Yeah. And he was like, that never, It will never go away, and, and it doesn't go away. And even when stuff comes upon telly for him now, he's like, oh, I have to skip past that. Yeah, I yeah, can't, yeah. can't watch that. Or that, That's not the way I wanted it to be. And we've even talked about how he doesn't like Hook, and I think Hook's great, and I, mm. it's got a real special place in my heart. And it
1: turns out like loads of people think it's great.
0: But, but the major point being, if Steven Spielberg doesn't think that his stuff is good enough, you could look at it pessimistically and go, well, what, what hope do any of us have? But really, it's just like, well, that's a normal thing to think about the things you make. Yeah. He is arguably the greatest filmmaker still alive, who's made the, some of the greatest films of all time, and he doesn't think he's good enough. And sh- clearly, that's just something that all of us are racked with, no matter what your focuses are, be it filmmaking or, or whatever in, in the world, yeah. that we're all racked with, like, oh, I am not. don't think I quite, I'm quite capable enough of doing this thing.
1: David Letterman, apparently, who I just love Letterman, when he left the building every day, whichever building they recorded, the you know mm. the late David Letterman, as he went out, he'd say to the doorman, "I'll be better tomorrow." Wow! Like to the to the end of his career, that was his, his same thing. And again, it's like, well, you could see that as depressing, or you can see it as just the fact that it's just completely normal. Yep. it's completely. I mean, I also it's I, hard though. No, he did. Jack, it is. It is hard. <laughs> but I, you know, my my greatest worry in the world. Is that I let everyone down? Is that I? Let, I'm not asking you to say, you know, I'm not. I'm not literally p- pitching you a softball. But I, that I
0: literally have seen this happen. Like it was a few weeks ago when we were scheduled to do a podcast, and oh yeah, and I, I blew it. I just completely it, yeah. forgot. Yeah, but it wasn't like a big deal to me. It was like you you acknowledged it, you apologized, we moved on. But I saw in you like this the spiraling of like oh i've i've completely messed this up yeah 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 and i i saw it happen in action
1: yeah and i mean I'd say, I, that's my my standards and you know i'm i'm very lucky i've got you know I, I you know i've got a lovely family god bless and i've got lovely friends and uh you know and i my greatest fear is that i will let all of them down mm. and and i think that again that's probably much more common than than anybody cares to imagine because I mean, you know, recently there's been a lot of talk about uh, mental health issues and it's a lot more publicly spoken about issue. But I think a lot of people wrestle with this stuff all the time. Like you said, when you're talking about it, you're not talking about it like, please give me sympathy and feel sorry for me. It's just like, no, it's just, it is part of the modern malaise. Mm -hmm. And if there's any way of, you know, when you're talking about, that thing about living in the moment making the noise go away for a while. I've always sort of liked it because both you and I are in therapy.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
1: And the 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 analogy I always use is the moment of silence, the making the noise go away. And I will say this, and we need to sort of bring this to a close because we've been talking for ages, but at its best, cinema has always done that for me.
0: Honestly, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, why do you think both you and I like going to the cinema? Like, why do you think that is? It's exactly that. It's that for a for a moment for a few hours none of it exists yeah. it's just you in that dark room with the thing that's why I like going back I, like, you know a lot of people find it weird that you can watch the same thing over and over again oh no I love that I love doing it I love because I'm the more I get to know it the more I'm involved in that world and that thing and whatever and yeah like it is just like um a healthy coping mechanism. I think it's a thing that I enjoy that, that soothes me for, for a second.
1: And maybe that is at its best, an example of that thing that you're talking about of existing in the moment. I mean, I always felt it about horror films because when you are scared in the cinema, you are alive and you are aware of being alive. You know, you are aware of that moment that you are in right then, right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it seems odd to sort of compare that with silence but it is it is a moment of sublime obliteration of everything i mean you can think of it as pretty more or something but it's just the moment that everything else goes away and that's the thing that you're focused on and when cinema does it i mean horror cinema works particularly for me but when any cinema does it it's a sort of transcendent thing but it's also and well, what the opposite of transcendent <laughs> You know, it's also that you you feel your you feel your your own you you feel the blood in your veins. I think
0: that's what happens when you feel like you've seen a movie that has truly captivated you, is that you come away being like wow was that it was it was that long and I, I, yeah. I it's over like you know i've I've seen films sometimes where i didn't see the ending coming and especially the further and further i've gotten into like understanding structure and you know all these other things that you start to notice and cliches that come up in, in cinema you can kind of see the rhythm as it's happening but when you come away from a movie and that's how i felt about everything everywhere all at once was i came away being like whoa i was there i was in it yes. the whole time and I wasn't aware of like I was in New York and in the cinema next to you and I didn't know I was just taken by that so I think you're right that's that's when when you feel truly moved by a film I think it has made you forget that it was a film almost like it made you totally present
1: yeah well, look, that seems like oh. the perfect place to bring this to a close. We have to close it.
0: And I, I think that's what I'm doing. Is I mean, I'm elongating because I'm
1: like, <laughs> no, no, no. It can't be the, Lord can't of the be Rings, end.
0: <laughs> Return of the King. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bye. Bye. <laughs> just, just forgot this. Here. Bye. Actually... <laughs> just this, <laughs> well, look,
1: I mean, I, I don't want to jinx anything. Sure. All right but
0: you feel pretty confident I'm
1: I'm going to quote only (laughs) fools and horses oh go on no no it's not goodbye as they say in France it's bonjour <laughs>
0: no no <laughs> <laughs> I, you know it's funny, that you, it's funny that you say that as well when I made my last YouTube video about seven or eight months ago which was me being like I'm leaving for a bit not forever this is exactly
1: what this I did I, I, I quoted that exact thing of all the things of all the we things. have in common it turns out to be only fools and horses yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well love you Jack
0: love you too man this has been an absolute pleasure yeah hasn't it thank you so much everyone for listening as well like what what a cool lot you are sitting here and listening to us have a ramble with each other we decided to do this because we chatted in pubs after <laughs> after things and we're
1: like well, people would want to listen to this wouldn't they yeah they did that this is a podcast <laughs> no, no, this, no, no, this, this. yes yeah so anyway it's uh what's it what's it they say at the, at the in um what's the film that won the best picture Nomadland sure I never say goodbye I say I'll see you down the road yeah because I will keep watching the skies Mark keep watching the skies (laughs) so long partner Oh, oh hey Buzz